I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Isaiah chapters 28 through 30. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. We begin in chapter 28 with judgment on Ephraim and Jerusalem, verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valleys, to those who are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and a strong one, like a tempest of hail in a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing. Who will bring them down to the earth with his hand? The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trampled underfoot. And the glorious beauty is a fading flower, which is at the head of the verdant valley, like the first fruit before the summer, which an observer sees. He eats it up while it is still in his hand. In that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. For a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. But they also have erred through wine, and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filth. No place is clean. Whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breast? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing." yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. Well, Ephraim here is another reference Isaiah uses when speaking of the northern tribe of Israel. Ephraim was originally one of the sons of Joseph, one of his two sons, the other being Manasseh. They came into an inheritance with the other tribes of Jacob. You may recall that when the land in Canaan was divided, that Ephraim and Manasseh rounded out the twelve tribes possessing land, while the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, was not permitted to have a possession. So when Isaiah talks about the fall of Ephraim, he's talking about the fall of Israel to the Assyrians in 721 B.C. On the other hand, Jerusalem did not fall to the Assyrians when they were under siege in 701 B.C., They uh, survived all the way down to 586 B.C. when they, at that time, were overcome by the Babylonians. These verses speak of these defeats. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul quotes from verses 11 and 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. That's where he's talking about speaking in tongues. The Hebrew word for stammering in verse 11 in this passage can also be translated foreigner, which is the context in which Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. 
Those verses serve as Isaiah's response to the leaders of Israel who are portrayed as drunkards in the preceding verses. Verses 9 and 10 are probably a reference to the meaningless babblings of these drunkards. The Hebrew of verse 10 sounds like this. Listen closely. Saul, la saw, saw, la saw, qua, la qua, qua, la qua. Isaiah seems to be mimicking the unintelligible mutterings of a drunkard. In other words, verse 10 was not meant to have meaning. It's actually mimicking drunkards with meaningless Hebrew words. It's simply a bunch of syllables strung together without regard for any rules of Hebrew grammar. Isaiah even repeats these mutterings in verse 13 as the source of their downfall. So here you have the leaders of Israel being compared to drunkards with no spiritual insight. Isaiah then tells them in verse 11 that the Assyrians, with a different language, will come and teach them the hard way what they refuse to learn the easy way. And the foreign language of these Assyrians will likewise sound like the mutterings of a drunkard to them. That's a fascinating backdrop for the usage of those verses by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. That's where he's talking about speaking in tongues. But justice is coming, verses 14 to 29 of chapter 28. Therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. The hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overflowing scourge passes through, then you will be trampled down by it. As often as it goes out, it will take you, for morning by morning it will pass over, and by day and by night it will be a terror just to understand the report. For the bed is too short to stretch out on, and the covering so narrow that one cannot wrap himself in it. For the Lord will rise up as at Mount Perizim. He will be angry as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his awesome work, and bring to pass his act, his unusual act. Now therefore do not be mockers, let your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined even upon the whole earth. Give ear and hear my voice, listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin? And scatter the cumin, plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place, and the spelt in its place? For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick, and the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground. Therefore he does not thresh it forever, break it with his cartwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. These verses look to the millennium when the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will rule everywhere on the earth. Zion, sometimes with an S instead of a Z, is a frequent reference in the Old and New Testaments to Jerusalem. 
This was the area which Jerusalem was built upon. The cornerstone of verse 16 here is the Messiah. Isaiah established that back in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. That's where it says, He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We first saw this reference back in Psalm 118.22. That verse says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This verse is also used by Jesus himself in a parable by the Jewish leaders regarding his imminent crucifixion in Matthew 21, Mark 12, and Luke 20. Later on in the New Testament, we see Jesus as the cornerstone. That's the presentation in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, and Romans chapter 9, verse 33, along with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. All the New Testament usages are based upon these Old Testament scriptures. So verse 16 here deals with the coming Messiah and the resulting reign, beginning with the millennium. However, the remaining verses in this section convey the prophetic reality of judgment from God at the hands of the Assyrians. The defeat at the hands of the Assyrians is portrayed here as inescapable in verses 17 through 20. In verse 21, Isaiah cites David's rout of the Philistines in 2 Samuel chapter 5 and 1 Chronicles chapter 14. That's to convey the thoroughness of Israel's defeat at the hands of these Assyrians. Isaiah completes this judgment in verses 20 through 29 with a farmer analogy. Just as a farmer uses the appropriate implement for each type of grain, God intends to produce righteousness from his people through particular judgments. Then we find the siege on Jerusalem in Isaiah chapter 29. Verse 1, Woe to Ariel, to Ariel, the city where David dwelt. Add year to year, let feast come around. Yet I will distress Ariel. There shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be to me as Ariel. I will encamp against you all around. I will lay siege against you with a mound. And I will raise siege works against you. You shall be brought down. You shall speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be low, out of the dust. Your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground, and your speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust, and the multitude of the terrible ones like chafe that passes away. Yes, it shall be in an instant suddenly. You will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise, with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. The multitude of all the nations who fight against Ariel, even all who fight against her and her fortress and distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when a hungry man dreams, and look, he eats, but he awakes and his soul is still empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and look, he drinks, but he awakes and indeed is he faint. And his soul still craves, so the multitude of all the nations shall be." who fight against Mount Zion. Pause and wonder, blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep, and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I cannot. For it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, Read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, 
but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. They say, Who sees us, and who knows us? Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, He did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while till Lebanon be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to nothing, the scornful one is consumed, and all who watch for iniquity are cut off. Who make a man an offender by a word, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and turn aside the just by empty words? Therefore thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name, and hallow the Holy One of Jacob, and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding, and those who complained will learn doctrine. Well, this chapter describes the Assyrian siege on Jerusalem in 701 B.C., the actual siege is found recorded in 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 13 down through chapter 19, verse 37, also paralleled in 2 Chronicles 32, verses 9 to 22, and the entirety of Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. Ariel is an unusual reference to Jerusalem here, confirmed to be the same at the end of verse 8 with the reference to Zion, which we know to be synonymous with Jerusalem. A map of the Assyrian Empire in 701 B.C. is a curious sight. The people in all directions had been conquered by the Assyrians, but not Jerusalem. The miraculous slaying of Assyria's troops, 185,000 by angel in one night, that, along with trouble back home, caused the Assyrian ruler Sennacherib to return without accomplishing his mission, taking Jerusalem. Well, now, granted, he humbled Jerusalem, he had them under house arrest, so to speak, for quite some period of time. He captured their friends and relatives outside the city dwelling in Judah, but he didn't conquer Jerusalem. Note that Isaiah prophesied that even this siege would not cause the people to turn back to God. The siege of the Assyrians is seen in verse 3. Their vast numbers are referenced in verse 5. The deliverance of Jerusalem found in verses 5 through 8 refers to this failed attempt in 701 B.C. by the Assyrians to overtake Jerusalem. Yet, despite this judgment of God, Isaiah speaks to the spiritual insensitivity of the inhabitants of Jerusalem in verse 13 when he says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. And that's what we're talking about, man-made religion. But things will change for these Jews. Beginning in verse 17, a future distinction is seen when they will have spiritual insight. These verses would seem to look to the future beginning with the millennium. 
Notice verse 24. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding, and those who complain will learn doctrine. The concepts stated here of spiritual understanding and doctrinal learning are the same provisions found in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, with regard to the new covenant, which we know will be fulfilled during the millennium. And that brings us to chapter 30, where we see, Then there was Egypt, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, and who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt, and have not asked my advice, to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh, and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame, and trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. For his princes were at Zon, and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people who could not benefit them, or be help or benefit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden against the beast of the south, through a land of trouble and anguish, from which came the lioness and lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent. They will carry their riches on the backs of young donkeys, and their treasures on the humps of camels, to a people who shall not profit. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore I have called her Rahab Hemshabeth. Now go, write it before them on a tablet, and note it on a scroll, that it may be for time to come, forever and ever, that is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, a bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant, and he shall break it like the breaking of a potter's vessel which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare so there shall not be found among its fragments a shard to take fire from the hearth or to take water from the cistern. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not, and you said, No, for we will flee on horses, therefore you shall flee, and we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you shall be swift." One thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left as a pole on top of a mountain and as a banner on a hill. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more." He will be very gracious to you at the sounds of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner any more. But your eyes shall see your teachers. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, you will also defile the covering of your images of silver and the ornament of your molded images of gold. You will throw them away as an unclean thing. You will say to them, Get away. Then he will give the rain for your seed with which you sow the ground, and bread of the increase of the earth. It will be fat and plentiful. 
In that day your cattle will feed in large pastures. Likewise, the oxen and the young donkeys that work the ground will eat cured fodder, which has been winnowed with the shovel and fan. There will be on every high mountain and on every high hill rivers and streams of waters in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. Moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be sevenfold, as the light of seven days. In the day that the Lord binds up the bruise of his people and heals the stroke of their wound, behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger, and his burden is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream, which reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of futility. And there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people, causing them to err. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy festival is kept, and gladness of heart as when one goes with a flute to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. The Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard and show the descent of his arm with the indignation of his anger, and the flame of a devouring fire with scattering tempest and hailstones. For through the voice of the Lord Assyria will be beaten down as he strikes with the rod." And in every place where the staff of punishment passes, which the Lord lays on him, it will be with tambourines and harps, and in battles of brandishing he will fight with it. For Tophet was established of old, yes, for the king it is prepared. He has made it deep and large. Its pyre is fire with much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, kindles it. Well, we see in Second Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 37, that Hezekiah, king of Judah, had probably formed an alliance with Egypt prior to the Assyrian siege on Jerusalem, or at least as ambassadors were in talks about such an alliance. He even tried to buy off the Assyrian king with gifts. It seems that dependence on God for deliverance was Hezekiah's course of, well, last resort. The only one that actually worked, by the way. Egypt quickly fell to the Assyrians, leaving Jerusalem all alone. Verses 1 through 7 deal with Jerusalem's negotiations with Egypt and how useless an alliance would be. Ultimately, Jerusalem would be delivered by a miracle from God, not an alliance with Egypt or anyone else. Now, understand this. Hezekiah was a good king of Judah. He loved God. However, all of Judah was not like King Hezekiah. We send them characterized here in verses 8 through 11 as people who reject the truth of God's righteousness in lieu of their preference for the lies of the false prophets. In verse 9, Isaiah refers to them as rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Everyone likes good news, right? But what about when the news is really, really bad? Well, denial sets in. Notice what Isaiah says in verse 10 about these inhabitants of Judah who were in denial about the trouble that they were in. He says, Do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. In other words, just give us good news, whether it's true or not. But, you know, sometimes optimism just isn't enough. And that's the lesson of verses 12 to 17. Judgment from Assyria is coming. Let's take a moment to remember what happened to Judah at the hands of the Assyrians. Judah fell, but the capital city, Jerusalem, miraculously survived an incredible siege. Then Isaiah's bleak prophecy takes a turn upward. In verses 18 to 26, Isaiah prophesies concerning the messianic rule beginning with the millennium. 
He prophesies a very nice environment of peace where the people will be enlightened, unlike their condition at the time of Isaiah's writing. For more on Isaiah's description of life during the millennium, then I've included some passages, Isaiah 2, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 65, and there are others. Just uh, go to those chapters and read the notes. Beginning with verse 27, Isaiah turns to the theme of the supernatural defeat of the Assyrians in 701 B.C. Notice verse 31, it says, For through the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be beaten down as he strikes with a rod. Well, yeah, and that's exactly what happened. You want to read about that incident, then as I mentioned earlier, that's recorded. The failed attempt of the Assyrians to conquer Jerusalem in 2 Kings 18, 2 Chronicles 32, and the entirety of Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.